on our earth before writing was invented, before the printing press was invented, poetry flourished. That's why we know that poetry is like bread. It should be shared by all, by scholars and by peasants, by all our vast, incredible, extraordinary family of humanity. That was Pablo Neruda. I'm Bob Holman, and this is the Poetry is Bread podcast, where poetry challenges us, makes us think, and with imagination and courage, changes the world. Okay, today we got with us in our studio Eileen Miles, who needs no introduction. Still, how do we say hello to them without mentioning... Their Bostonian accent undercutting their global sophisticate imprimatur not to bypass the books, books, books piled up amongst us, maybe 18 at last count, not including the early Mimeo jobs with the Steve Levine covers. And uh, their next, the new one, the anthology, Pathetic Literature. Well, we can talk about that. Their run at the presidency. And of course, most Hollywood starring their poems and character based on their self. And that was also maybe some extra work. Did you get in, ever get on screen there? You were. Oh, yeah, no, no. I had about three cameos, three or four. Yeah. Did you have lines? I had lines. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah, I had lines. I had lines. Yes. Well, anyway, uh, let's talk about the Madcap Puppet Show. That she did on her way to Marfa, the trip. You got to see that online. Um, her second hometown there, Marfa. The activist work over the last few years to try to save our neighborhood park, East River Park, and the dogs. Mm-hmm. We must always mention the dogs. Her deep insight. Voice. There, there, there. There, her, there, there, there. Thank you. I got. I'm working hard at this. I know you're, you're doing good. Okay. Yeah. All right. The love of the dogs. Please welcome Eileen Miles, dear poet. Hey, Bob. Hey. Very glad to be here. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that the part that I first stopped at was the uh, um, the pathetic anthology coming up, the new stuff. Right, right. You know, so when is that kind of come out? November 15th, which happens to be Ted Berrigan's birthday. So it's all connected. Mm, happy birthday to Ted. Who mm-hmm. once said about you that uh, um, you're the last of the New York school. Mm-hmm. I know. Very, you know, I, yeah. So it sort of pulls up behind you there. Somebody's got to kill it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you like doing that, don't you? I, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's the change. I mean, you sort of... Uh, Pre, you know, you 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 were pre on this uh, disruption thing. Mm-hmm. You were the. I remember when you disrupted a poetry reading I gave by handing out pieces of paper to everybody. that says, "Please boo and hiss loudly." Right? And all of Bob's po- that was completely disrupted reading. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> you know, and of course, running for president. But let's get back to pathetic. What what's uh, pathetic about poetry? Well, oh, poetry is, is pathetic. Come on, poetry is pathetic. I mean, it's like being a poet is like being a lesbian. It's like if somebody, you meet somebody at a party and they say, what do you do? They say, I'm a poet. Yeah, huh. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's kind of, you didn't tell them that you own this building or you do, though I think you probably do own this building. Well, that's, that's, that's another, another story and it's not but, me, but. 
Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's just, it's a very funny, it's, it's, it's not a profession. It's kind of a vocation. It's something very unclear and very special and very, very deep and very rudimentary. And so I, I think that most of what I love, whether it's queerness or poverty or sudden riches or bicycle accidents or dogs or parks that are really vernacular are, are all pathetic. And it's just like this, there's a, you know, capitalism always wants to make everything be clear. And, and I, my favorite quote about everything is Chris Krause said that um, because capitalism is insincere, it wants its fictions to be sincere. Um. And I think pathetic is not sincere. It's, it's messier than that, you know? Yeah. And so I think it, I, I just came upon it a few years ago, maybe, maybe even 15 years ago as an organizing principle. It was already in the art world. Guys like Mike Kelly and those people were right, doing right. cutesy, weird, unmasculine things. And I thought, well, what would, and they were, they were calling it pathetic, pathetic masculinity. And I thought, what would that mean in literature? And I thought, oh, me, all of us, the work I love, the people I love, you know? And so um, I taught, a, I taught a seminar in San Diego about, for pathetic literature. We had a pathetic conference you know, and it just it just kept it remained in the back of my mind as something I would do one day. And during the pandemic, it was the perfect project. Oh, beautiful! You know, yeah, yeah. pathetic time. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. and uh, pathetic literature is the name of it. It's coming out. Um, Kafka's in there. Mm -hmm. Chester Himes is in there. Um, Sadia Hartman is in there. Oh. Alice Notley. Very Valerie Solanus. It's a very weird. Wow, group. what a Chester Himes, right, and Valerie Solanas. There's a there's a pair. Yeah, yeah. So it, so it was like who who belongs together? Who you never thought of that way before? It's perfect. Yeah, perfect. Try making your lineages out of that. Mm -hmm. You know, it it would have to include everybody, I guess. Well, that's the ultimately. thing. It has no boundaries. Yeah. You know, so there's going to be a th a thin volume in the future, perhaps called Too Pathetic. <laughs> 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 you know, uh -huh. yeah. As far as poetry and a job, I'm thinking about that uh, scene in the Inferno, where uh, you uh, talk about the the guy who carved the ducks. Oh yeah, you know, and yeah. uh, who had a sign on that said, "Never worked a day in my life" or something like yeah, that. Yeah, never worked a day in my his. I think his whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that just was the puzzle, and you know, kind of the. What, I mean, they, what he did was carve ducks, he, all day, which he know? just loved. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, so it's sort of where that was where you decided you were never going to work a day in your life. And how's that turned out? Well, it's 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 a beautiful lie, right? You know, I just feel like most poets and artists that I know are total workaholics, while having this pose of being deeply casual and never working at all and really relaxed, and you know. And so it's it's both true and completely fraudulent. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but I do love what I do. The job of being a poet. Yeah. 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 So why don't we read a poem? Okay. I, um, I have an old one right here, which okay. is called "1980: The Year of the Ox." Sounds like a great way to start. Which I think I'm an ox. I think you're a tiger, Bob. Right? Um, I think I'm a rat. I'm a year older than you. Or I thought you were a year younger. How old? What year were you born? 48. Oh, oh yeah. you're, you're right. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Somebody's keeping track. I accuse other people of doing that all the time, but here I, here I go. 
I was just in this room where one friend of mine just quit smoking and this guy was smoking camels and another woman was smoking ginseng. I laughed at her and asked for one. Two women were walking around the juicer. One wasn't bad looking. The other was sort of yellow or orange, sallow, scary. I thought she looked like death. I thought that ain't health. This year I discovered it's fun to have a body, something to be vain about. I knew that when I was 19, but somehow or other I forgot. Anxiety gets sexy to a point. Then I'll start drinking and smoking or something, but at least until then, I'll let the barometer rise. The energy gets me around. I'm into being a day animal. At night, I can slow down and look out of the corners of my eyes. At the night, it's a scurrying animal, I think. Feels like a bat sometimes or any very dark bird alternately sailing towards and against light. I suppose I'm looking for a woman rowing in the old night boat. I like the dark water, trying to imagine where you'd go tonight, or else just throwing my head back, watching the sky, wishing I can eat all those flowers. Okay. Um, so you're just in this room. <laughs> you know, what a, what a way to start a poem. I was just in this room. You know, because just, which is a word that I think is just overused just so much. Right. <laughs> you just can't stop saying it, right? But I was just in this room is, uh, you know, it allows that the, the marvelous uh, um, ambiguity of poetry to exist right there. I mm -hmm. was just in this room. I was, you know, or I was in there a minute ago. Right. You know, and uh, from there, the reader gets uh, to... Uh, take off and uh, get your impressions of it. But, but by starting with that kind of, uh, you know, doppelganger mm -hmm. uh, meaning, that's the way I think it's just standard for you to have that as a, a, a way of working. Is, is, I think it's specifically vague, you know, let's, let, let's remember that folks. <laughs> it's specifically vague. And it gives the reader, you know, I'm a firm believer in the in the reader writing 50% of the poem. Exactly, you know? exactly. And so you guys got to, you know, here, especially with Eileen reading it, you've got to take that on through the ear, through, you know, get through the wax that, that has been collecting for decades mm -hmm. and, uh, and let not only the meaning, but your meaning. Mm -hmm. in on this and and wanting people to feel like it's their meaning and it is because they like you say they start making it up instantly if it's somewhat comfortable that and that's the other thing i mean and you're very good at that i mean that uh you know it's a friend of yours who just quit smoking and uh, and, and a guy smoking camels and another woman was smoking ginseng i mean mm -hmm. it's just automatically brings you in on something that's anti-poetry Mm -hmm. You know, it's although. How, how is it actually? No. How is it anti-poetry? What do you mean? Well, it's just a, a bunch of people sitting around talking. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, and uh, and that's the that vernacular language is not what is thought of as poetry. Um, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and the, especially when you get the juicer in there, which happens pretty soon thereafter. And you got a juicer going for yourself. They're walking around the juicer. Um, so we got a bunch of health nuts smoking. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it's just kind of the volcano is starting to uh, 
erupt here with uh, with you know these memory touches mm -hmm. through through an actual photograph of this thing. And the thing the thing that's so important too is that it feels like even though like this the poem is the room and it's so funny because I feel like when I look at the poem I think of everything about that time and all these people and everything that was like everything just before the room and everything after the room and everything that came in and out of the room you know and it's just like the only real room is the poem and it's so funny and it captures that's the goal is to capture that feeling that you just walked in and now you're just going to walk out and it's just this little puddle of time you know a marvelous little puddle with a uh, with uh, um, you're looking for a woman woman rowing in the old night boat, <laughs> right? Now, wh 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 where's that come from? You know that the rowing in the old night boat. I mean, God, I don't know. I don't know. Um, what a perfect rhythm, huh? Rowing in the old night. Boat. Sounds like a song, right? Does, this is, is uh, you know, like you who are such a fucking m modernist, uh -huh. you know, are, you know, there's a, like an anti-song, the way you break it up. Mm -hmm. And yet, so much song in what you're doing. You really hearken back to the orality of it all. Well, I think, and two, I think before the poetry, I mean, what was I listening to in high school and college was like that that moment of, Joni Mitchell and James Taylor mm. and Tim Harden and mm. Tim Buckley. And, you know, there was just these, these like really great lyric songwriters, mm. you know, who were, who, I mean, that's who I wanted to be. And when I came to town to be a poet, you know, the whole, she tapes her regrets to the microphone stand. It's just like, I thought I was a singer, you know, except that I was, you know, like not singing you know, a minimalist singer, you know, but it is, it always is a song. And, you know, I never got, and when I was growing up, I never got the blues. I never got the, the all the great blues singers were singing yeah. in Harvard Square when I was a kid. And I was like, I don't know, howling what, you know, what, and, and, you know, and then, you know, now, or now meaning in the last 20 years, I was like, blues, you mean the simplicity yeah. of blues, and it's just like a new thing rushing into the poems. And yeah. Songs have always been like much more of an influence even than poetry for me. Yeah, well, uh, we, we should get to that, where poetry became an influence with you, but I'm still stuck on this uh, um, rowing in the old night mm -hmm. boat. Uh, in the, I mean, it, it goes back to row, row, row your boat in the nursery rhymes, mm -hmm. and it comes all the way through with uh, Drunken Boat, and then, of course, Steven Motika and that press, the, uh, isn't that called Night Boat? I know, and I did that. In that moment, I thought, I wonder if they got that. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure they didn't, but I loved it in that moment to it's, think of it. It's in you know? that world of poetry, that swirl yeah. of poetry, you know. And, and also, you know, and one of my books is called Sappho's Boat. And this book that this poem this comes from yes. is called Sappho's yes, yes, Boat. Yes. Excuse me. And so, and, and that really is about something that I thought of as my poetics at the time, which was really like dipping your finger in the water and just making a mark that vanishes, you know? And it was just like, you know, I was just so interested in Sappho and how we have it and we don't have it and mm. these holes and this all this the loss. And, yeah. Yeah, and it just it's it just like and it, it, I don't know it was just kind of this movement that I was trying to make happen in the poems without you know like hitting it exactly like hitting it kind of hitting you know? it kind of and another so one it, of those uh, sort of um, uh, specifically vague what was it what, let's go back to that 
can't even remember what we I, said. Yeah, I, I will never. Minutes. Get the footnotes no. out, folks. <laughs> um, and write in and tell us what we said. Vaguely, uh, vaguely specific. specific. Yeah. There it is. Um, yeah, hit, hit, you know, hitting it off to the side, which is what you do with the rhythms in a song, you know, mm-hmm. when it gets the, the syncopation flows it, you know, not the 4-4 four, four meter, mm-hmm. you know, but the syncopation that flows it. I like the dark water trying to imagine what you'd go tonight or else just throwing my head back. Now, what is that or? Imagining where you'd go tonight or else just throwing my head back. Now, that's not an or thing. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Well, or is um, we're, imagine where you'd go tonight or um, wh- where you were last night. That's that's an or equal equal, you know, but you have where you'd go tonight or else just throwing my head back. Uh-huh. I mean, it's always you, I guess, is one way. Uh, that, you know, we, we, at least we are anchored in Eileen Miles, in an Eileen Miles poem, which is a room, which is a boat. Which is a dream. And so you're kind of I, I trying to imagine where you'd go tonight, which is still not really chasing them. It's just imagining where they'd go. And while you're doing that, why not look at the stars, you know? Which is why you could eat. All those, all those flowers. <laughs> exactly. Which then, which then becomes very sexual, right? Yes. I mean, I always think that's just, that's kind of like, that's the dirty line, which is not dirty, you know? It's sort of like, it's anybody's. It's erotic. flowery. It's, it's, it, there is, oh, now she's talking about the poem, about a poetry poem. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all those flowers. There's a. I saw. I gotta say, in the subway, it was just like, what's the line? The pound line was written in big letters, um, like petals on a wet black, black bow, bow. Yes. and then crossed out was wet and black. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's interesting. At at the station at the metro, you know, at Second Ave, right? All those faces in a crowd, petals on a wet black bow, but it's just petals on a bow. Because they just, but, but the wet black really stayed there, but it was like, it was the update from our exact moment. And it was just like, it was kind of reframing the poem and leaving it there too. Wow. It was great. The words of the prophets are written on the subway walls. (laughs) Indeed. Um, So that made me think of this poem of yours that I love so much called you. Um, how about letting us hear that? I, I would love to. I would love to. I'm bravely eating my croissant at everyone. I'm living on my wet board. I'm living on my money. Limits set and the lights lower. I worship the blue marks on the hydrant. How like the name of a flower. So this poem was written, I don't know, 30 years or so after the, the uh, was it? Oh, okay, good question. 1980, yeah. 2015. So 30, 80, 35, yeah, yeah, 35 years later. Um, and we're still ending a poem with the flowers. Here. Right, right, right. And it sort of What's sounds... What's going on, Eileen? I, I don't know. I will say, I just feel like when I see a poem that I still like, I just think they're just all connected to all... it. It's almost like you're only... 
writing in one time. And when you write a poem you really like, you're in that time again. You know, because I feel like the same person wrote these two poems. I mean, the other one is a little busier. The room's yeah, a little yeah. busier. But this is outside. Yeah. You know, too. Well, it's also, you know, that other one has a, the your lines are short, but they're not short like they will become. And they're not short like in you, which is basically a line. I mean, there's even, there's lines with one word. There are, most of the lines have two words. Mm -hmm. You know, this is generally... Well, the way Eileen Miles' poems look, generally, mm -hmm. um, these you know, for a while now, they they just they just fall down like a waterfall on the page. You yeah, know, here they come. You know, get out of the way, because um, they mean everything, and they're splashing all over the place. This 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 uh, poem to me seemed uh, first of all, once again, the opening. It's just killer, you know, like it's just, you sit there and it just comes to you. You're like, I'm bravely eating my croissant at everyone. Oh, come on. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? Right, right, right. <laughs> I think you're being in love. Oh. I think you're being in love and you just can't do anything wrong. You're just like some smiling fool walking down the street eating that croissant thinking, isn't it great? You know, and it's just like. They may not care if this joy is being thrown at them, but you're just in it, you know. Oh, I can see those crumbs washing down their, their lapels, mm -hmm. you know. Oh, beautiful. And then the thou, the you is the thou, of course, the, the person that I was loving. Do you write poems to people, for people? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I I feel like if I know who I'm talking to, it's like, the pump is really on, you know, that's pretty great. I think I'm and actually, I'm, it's funny. I'm like in, in an anticipatory mode right now because I was asked by a gallery to write some poems for a painter. And I thought, hmm, writing, being asked to write poems, you know what I mean? Or just like 20, they wanted 20 poems. I was like, what? <laughs> and I decided they were sonnets and I wrote them fast as I suffered and thought about it and looked at the work, but I, then I wrote them fast as hell. And then I, suffered for a week and then I decided to make it even harder and I wrote a, a Spencerian, a Petrarchan, a Milton, I wrote all the classic <laughs> rhyme schemes and oh. so I wrote five more and then I sent them this morning and they were so excited. They haven't said a word. Uh. Just freaking out because I sounded like I love them. And I thought, oh, God, did I come down too heavy on this young painter? Uh, you know, what is it? Scared them. You no, know, it's the COVID, number one. And number two, it's the digital. They probably haven't opened it yet. You know, come on. She said she was printing it out right now and breaking it to her studio at 10 a.m. And has said nothing? N oh, and yeah. Nothing I, by 10 of 10. Uh, I am. I, I, I'd be scared, too. No, there, there you know... The, I was when like, am I going to get a kill fee for poems? You have, you, yes, you're going to get paid the whole amount, you know, but it, but this is, you know, that's the ekphrastic. I mean, people are so stunned that you can do that. Mm -hmm. Ekphrastic being, you know, writing a art inspired by other art. Generally in New York, we are, we do poems inspired by paintings, mm -hmm. but uh, it could be other stuff. And this actually seems like a painting to me, this poem this love poem mm -hmm. that we've now uncovered as a love poem. You know, I worship the blue marks on the hydrant. Right, right, right. It, it, seeing that, seeing those blue marks on the hydrant, I mean, that's, 
New York art. Oh, Boom. yeah. There it is. And in, and in the right state, this city is so gorgeous, right? Mm. It's just like, what, that's what's so funny about living here is that it keeps changing all the time and you keep changing. But in the right mood, you're just, it's just spectacular, mm. you know? And you are, it is. It's like you're just, just to say what's there is to be a painter. Beautiful. How like the name of a flower. The blue marks on the hydrant, how like the name of a flower. I, I, are you really talking about Hydrant. hydrangeas? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm talking about Charles Olson because he said, I like a word that has, still has dirt on its roots. And so I, to me, I look at hydrant and I thought, it's just all watery. I mean, it's such a great word. It's French. It's like Greek. It's just language. It's just the whole history of languages in that word. And it's just like a fucking fire hydrant. Spraying out on a summer day. Yeah. You know, as you walk past it with your crumbly croissant and you're on your wet board. <laughs> Is that your, are you surfing there? No, don't you? I don't know. Um, do you, do you have a wet board someplace? Or it's a whiteboard, actually. But I, oh, oh, it's ultimately, I, see. I think it used to be called a wet board and then it became a whiteboard. But oh, thank good, thank you for that. For, for, uh, <laughs> but it is a poem. I mean, so I do live, of course, with these, these, you know, lists in my house that are on the, I mean, several, you know, I'm always writing. When I do it, I erase it. I feel great and stuff. Yeah. But the thing is, it's, it's a poem. And so I think in a way, um, um, I'm living on my wet board. It's like this, I'm living on the list. This is the list, you know, and thou and thou and thou and, you know, so I, I mean, I didn't even know that's what I meant, but this is what I meant. And is, well, and also I'm living, a, you're living, a, the, the poem is living on this wet board of a piece of white paper. Exactly, here, exactly, you know, yeah. Coming into being. So no poems. How'd you come up with that title for uh, no poems? Well, right away, poem. it's a, it's problematic because I think that um, th we are. Let me read the poem and then I'll. Okay, then it'll make, good it'll make, idea. Yeah. So the poem's called No Poems, and it even has two quotes hanging around it. So, meaning somebody said it, right? Um, it was a little golden cross, wooden like a ruler, really. Wrapped round with pink flowers, then Anne, she put a small cut glass vase of more pink flowers. She leaned across the hole. She couldn't quite. It was awkward, so the monk took the vase and placed it for her at the foot of the cross. And things were even more so. There was a hole in the ground, and in it, the can. We were invited to take a handful of dirt, earth, the name of our planet, and throw it on our friend whose burnt remains were in the can. It felt good. Cold, strong, old, a handful of planet. Here, I thought, and wiped my hands on the brown bandana Duncan brought. I wiped the dirt from my hand. My friend was buried under a tree. Little cross, straw, stroke of sun hitting its shiny gold. We stood in a circle, the friends, the monks, brown. One monk lifted a spade and shoveled it in, earth to fill the hole, and now he was gone. We stood, it was pretty as a picture, and he was taking photographs, the wine of the camera, and then we stood still. We'll probably come back, said Duncan. Huh, that's what I was just thinking. 
so that's that's friends standing at a grave. That's yeah. that's that's mostly well, it's you know, it's poets and it's like Anne was um Anne Porter, wife of Fairfield Porter. Um, you know, Jimmy D- Schuyler was the poet who was being buried yes. at a, at a um um, you know, at, on on the ground of a monastery where Tom Carey was being a monk and David Trinidad, the poet David Trinidad, was standing there, and that's what he said over the grave. He said, no poems, meaning Jimmy was gone, and we weren't going to get any more poems from this guy, you know? And um, I would think that when he saw that I used it, and I didn't give him credit, he was huffy, but I think that's the way, that's the way he rolls, huffy. But... But Duncan, you know, and I and I did I did truly pick because Duncan is Duncan Hannah, a painter who was a friend of mine and ours. And Duncan just died very suddenly, and um, and that is him. He was a very he was a handsome man and very he was a dandy, right? And he yeah. always seemed to have the right thing. And it was very peculiar and special, and even painterly that he had a brown bandana at uh-huh. the grave when the earth was brown and and. And he just had the thing to hand you when you had dirt on your hands. And it was just beautiful and just apt. And, and that just, you know, I mean, I just, the little joke at the end of the poem for me was like, what is it? Poem from the floor. Um, we'll probably come back, said Duncan. And he meant, of course, to we'll come back little, to the grave. Yeah, but... Yeah. Huh, and I was, and that's what I was just thinking, but I was also, of course, thinking about reincarnation, yeah. you know, and it's sort of, it's all swirling around that hole in the ground, you know, where we'll, you know, where we, we will all go, you know, yeah. it's Into like. Into our little can when we cannot, yeah. Um, and and the, co- yeah, go ahead. Go, no, you go ahead. Well, the can, the can was, the can was Jimmy, of course, he became, you know, we buried the can, but we came on the Long Island Railroad to Little Portion Friary, which is where we, the, the burial happened. And we, were like, we kept thinking that we were going to leave the can on the train <laughs> and kept thinking how funny and how horrible that would be if we forgot oh. Jimmy and left him on the train, you know? Yeah. Well, also at a funeral, you know, there are those people who say to the poets, please, no poems. You know, we're going to, you know, this is going to be, we, we don't want to go in that direction. Now, this was, a funeral for a poet, and so they wouldn't say no poems. Right, but, right. Uh, How awful! Oh yeah, it is. You know, po- well that's why it's pathetic. You know what poet what poems are doing? No, because we want to go in and mess things up yeah. and have and feel around and and take. Oh, I love the way that you come back on Earth a couple of times and make that connection to. You're taking a handful of it, but it's our planet. It's Earth is Earth. You know. It's no, no getting around it. It's so weird. It's so weird that that is the name of our planet. You yeah. know, I mean, yeah. does everybody, I mean, you know, somebody recently said to me, you know, China is not called China to people in China. That is not the name of the country, you know? And I thought of, I mean, it's just that particular category of names of things that are particular to those who actually are there. Yes. And so do all planets, does Mars to Marsh, I mean, whatever Martians called Mars, is it, is it, you know, the air? Is right. it, you know, what is it? It would be interesting to find out what Earth is 
in all languages because we know that it is terra and ter. Oh. You know, in, seems uh, like in, it's... In, it's so in, in the Romance languages that we know. Uh -huh. Yes, it is. But is it that way in others? I'm a firm believer in calling places Turtle that, Island. Oh, different. Yes. Huh. And Turtle Island. Well, is, that's not Earth, though. That's just, is it North America, I think? Or it's also it? just off of Kipps Bay. There's a Turtle Island there. But yes, I think that's what the planet, I mean, what the continent was called by various people. But did they know there was anything besides the continent? Maybe they met the world. Ah. Mm. Well, you know, it's the elephant standing on the tortoise shell, <laughs> you know, balancing pivot. Wobbling pivot, mm -hmm. but balanced. Um, you know, in 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 Wales, the country is Cymraeg, which means us, the people, which it does in so many places. Oh, how nice! But the Saxon, when the, when the Saxons uh, came in, they they named it uh, Wales, which means the other guys. <laughs> so when we call them Wales. Wales, right. we're calling, oh, the other guys, not the people. That, anyway, you can yeah. get lost in that. Right, right, right. And uh, what do countries call themselves? Let's let's at least call them what they want to be called. Mm -hmm. That's the future, folks, where we're going to give mm -hmm. you know, the old names back. Uh-huh, uh-huh. This is uh, the, the, the way that the photographs, when the photographs come in at the end of... of uh, of the poem, it, they whine, you know, the camera whines there. What a great verb to pull out. I've never heard whine be used for a camera. The click mm -hmm. becomes a whine here. Um, and fighting against it or bringing in the uh, that aura of documentation or bringing in mechanics into it. Uh -huh. Um, as well, of course, as the pun that you get with it. Pun? Which which pun? Have a drink of wine. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, never thought of that. Don't want it. No. Throw it out. <laughs> yeah, you have taken that uh, that vagueness too far. <laughs> that. Huh, that's what I was just thinking. Just there, back we're back to just again. Again, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, we'll probably come back, mm -hmm. boy, and the way that can resonate at the at the gravesite. Mm. No poems, all poems, and tell well, you, you worked with Jimmy for years. I yeah yeah. How, I mean, how did that fit into the education of the poet? I mean, I think that was such a that was such a huge peace but it was more than anything it was the fact that that happened made me know that i was on the right path mm -hmm. you know because when i i think when i was um when i first came to town i mean like almost immediately i discovered his work and it made so much sense to me and it put so many things together because it felt like a children's book and it felt like you know very clear good language and then there was something mad mad and magical mm -hmm. about it and it you know and i just you know and as soon as i got closer to the people who knew him i heard that i would never meet him you know and that he had you know he struggled with he had mental illness he struggled with you know um his his 
his being mm-hmm. and um and so and then and then you know standing in a standing in a at a poetry reading at St. Mark's Church whining about mm-hmm. being broke and and Charles North saying well this is a job you can have I don't know if you'd want it and it turned out to be the to be the person being kind of a version of Jimmy's assistant his you know I was his, his assistant you know but I was an assistant who also doled out his drugs because he was on he was on some meds that he had a tendency to take all at once and burn up the house and stuff like that. So the, you know, so he was in the Chelsea hotel and I got hired as the young poet to spend five hours a day, seven days a week for a period of time with Jimmy. And it was just like to be suddenly put in that proximity with the person you had only hoped to meet sometime. Mm-hmm. And not only did I meet, I was in the room with him. Definitely. And, Definitely in the room with Jimmy Schuyler. Yeah, you know, and so it was just every. It was, in a way, the education. I mean, the education was. You know, maybe I would see how. No, I didn't see how he would write. I would see. I know I would come in, and he had written a poem, and he would show it to me, and I would show him poems. And but the education really was just like his whimsy about things. You know, like I would pick up a book. You know, everybody sent Jimmy books, and they were all over the floor. And I would pick up a book and he would just say these one-liners about, yeah, I don't know, I think she's a little too much, babe. You know, and just quips, quips, quips. And he just was that kind of gay or that kind of literary character. And it was such a, it was such a kind of a camp introduction to another generation, you know, and, and even just seeing that you could have judgments like that, you know, and just they would, they would just pepper the day. Wow, that's an education. Yeah, um, yeah. And plus, the clarity of his writing, his his descriptions again of again of gardens and flowers. I mm-hmm. mean, he was a master at giving the precise description, which then could be carried out into any kind of metaphorical place you wanted to take it. You know, and in, into any kind of genre he wanted to be working in. You know, his diaries, his art writing, his novels, his poems, they all do this wonderful thing. And, you know, his diaries, there's just, you know, this one passage where he's just describing a wind going through a room and through a house. And it's like a paint. It's like better than a painting, better than a mm-hmm. movie, how much that one little breeze touches. And, you know, I'm, I'm, few writers could do anything resembling that. Freely espousing, uh-huh. Jimmy Schuyler, one of his great books. Yeah, you know, just again, this a, a, a method, a way, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. of 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 taking on the world. For him, it was freely espousing. But you know? to meet him and to to meet him at that point in time made me know one thing, which is that I was lucky. Ah, and it's like you really need to know that at certain points, right? So what was it like the first time you met him? Weird, weird. He just, I think he was not well and lying on his bed and he had very long hair and um, could barely talk to me, could barely look at me, you know. I mean, he didn't quite know what this deal was they were cooking up, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and he didn't quite know what gender I was either. I think I think he thought my, I might be a cute young boy. You know, I was like in my 20s and all wolf hard to read maybe if you were, especially if you were looking in a particular way, you know? Um, and so we, it was very awkward our getting to know each other. So it was over time 
you know, and was never comfortable. I mean, real. I mean, it was, you know what I mean? Like it would be comfortable in surges and then uncomfortable and then silent. And awkward. You know, you really had to, the filter was Jimmy's consciousness. And so you just had to be how, be around that and see how it would let you in. So, and, uh, and how did the job end? I mean, I think that, I think he had an episode that I decided I was not the person to be there for that. And it was, it was too, it was too much. I mean, well, the idea of anything seven days a week is mm-hmm. too much. Yeah, yeah. And certainly, you know, and I was young and I, you know, and I think I was going to Naropa. Literally, I was going to Naropa. I was going out there to do a reading. And so I, somebody had to replace me for a month. And then it never, I never, I came back a little bit, but I really never came back. And that was kind of pretty much the entree of Tom Carey into Jimmy's life, you know, which he was very happy about. Right. So, um, as long as we're on the subject, what was the job? Did you, what was the job that you took next? What, what was it that you did before you started getting paid to, although there's a way in which being Jimmy Schuyler's assistant is, is, you know, a poet's job, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and Tom was somewhat of a poet. Too, sure, you know? sure. You know, so. I mean, I think I worked at a books. I worked maybe I worked at Books and Company before that mm-hmm. for a while. I got fired, and then because um, I knew too too many people and I was too chatty. And the woman who worked it was like a, a Xerox heiress owned it, and she was very, um, she was you know you anyway. She just was very um, curating about how she wanted people to be about around her in her bookstore and, and so on. And she was the important one. And so it was bad that I knew so many people. She didn't like that. Um, and then I think after I, after Jimmy, I worked, there was a, there was a feminist lesbian. There, it was a, there used to be a newspaper in the West village called majority news in the heyday of like the underground press. Yeah, gay liberation and, you know, lesbian feminist institutions and stuff. And so the paper folded, but but part of its infrastructure was a um, distribution company called um, Majority News. And so on Gansevoort Street, they had a, they had like a, you know, just a, what do you call it, a garage. And then they had all these old um, postal trucks that were painted pink. And it was like basically a, a women's, like, so you would you would go there in the early morning, and we sold um, music magazines, political magazines, and gay male porn, and um, and then and competed. There was you know there was a big news distributor called Hudson that you know went to all the newsstands, and we also went to all the newsstands with these alternative file and in our time and you know Rolling Stone and you know it was just kind of so it was cool like so we. One person drove the truck and the other person was the jumper. And that meant, you know, they would pull up at the newsstand and the jumper would jump down with the with whatever their order was and run up and drop it off. And, and we would just drive around the city. And then, at, you know, at the end of the day, everybody would go to the bar and get drunk and everybody was having romances with everybody else. And it was great. It was a real, and it was a cash job. You know, you just got paid at the end of the day and then you would go drinking. So this was, you know, what, end of 70s? We're talking yeah, here? Yeah, yeah, 79, 80. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, classic. You and your pink truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Well, that must have led 
straight into your professorship at uh, San Diego then. Directly. There <laughs> <laughs> was, yeah, yeah, it was right on the CV. And then they, the next thing was professor. No, the yeah. next thing that came for you was working at the Poetry Project. I guess. Yeah, 80s. That was 80s. That was 80s. Yeah, yeah. 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 And that in its own way did lead to the, the job at San Diego because they believed me to be an organizer and a person who did things. And, well, it was, you know, true enough. Yeah, true enough. Exactly. You know, that uh, until the, um, um, the MFA Ponzi scheme arose, it was very hard to get the credentials of being a, a poet, mm-hmm. you know, to get one of these jobs. Um, so, uh, you know, the Joel Oppenheimer was the first director of the, uh, of the poetry project. And before it, he'd been a, a printer, you know, reminiscent of Bob Hershon and the print mm-hmm. center and all that. And, uh, Joel was a wonderful poet and, uh, wrote that column that where he never used capital letters in mm-hmm. the village voice. When, after he'd spent his two years at, uh, St. Mark's, he became a professor at city college. Mm-hmm. So once again, you had a, a way of doing that. Now, of course, it's a different world. It's always a different world, right? So <laughs> it's not that one. Hey, let's get back to the poems. Here, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I did go to San Diego um, in 2002, and I went with um, I went with a girlfriend, and this is a love poem that I wrote her, and it's called Each Defeat. Please keep reading me, Blake, because you're going to make me the greatest poet of all time. Keep smoothing the stones in the driveway. Let me fry an egg on your ass and I'll pick up the mail. I feel your absence in the morning and imagine your instant mouth. Let me move in with you, traveling, wrapping your limbs on my back. I grow man, woman, child. I see wild, wild, wild. Keep letting the day be massive, unlicensed. Oh, please have my child. I'm a little controlling. Prose has some magic. Morgan had a whore in her lap. You big fisherman. I love my friends. I want to lean my everything with you, make home for your hubris. I want to read the words you circled over and over again. A slow skunk walking across the road. Yellow, just kind of pausing. Picked up warm laundry. I just saw a coyote. Tippy, tippy, tippy. I didn't tell you about the creature with hair, long hair. It was hit by cars on the highway. Again and again. It had long gray hair. It must have been a dog. It could have been ours. Everyone loses their friends. I couldn't tell anyone about this sight. Each defeat is sweet. I never saw it as a love poem. I guess all poems can be love poems. I don't know. Yeah, well. This is in love or this is after? I mean, no, this is defeat. in love. This is in love with each defeat. Yeah, let me move in with you. You're oh, yeah. Well, the Blake line. I, I love the way you you introduce your poems. You go into them as if it's just something you're saying, not the beginning of a poem. But your poems don't seem to begin. Let's put it that way. They you somehow you're walking in the middle of, uh, the middle of it. You know, please keep reading me, Blake. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, there's a silent thought. You know, you just you're living a life. And then you're in a situation and somebody's behaving a certain way. And then you think, please keep reading me, Blake, because you're going to make me the greatest poet, you know, of all time. And it was like, 
okay, that begins something. You know, it was almost like there's a silent thought and that triggers the poem. And then I have to write the poem that that thought would, you know, that thought just opened the door. That certainly is a love poem. There's nothing, no greater gift than somebody causing you to be the greatest poem of all time. You know, all you have to do is read me to Blake. Right. What it was true. I mean, where would it, I mean, I guess I did read Blake in graduate school for 10 minutes, you know, but it was just like, and I think, and I think maybe she was getting a PhD, but, or, but none of those things being related. She just was into, currently into Blake and just was, can I read you one more? Can I read you this? You know, it's so great when somebody just throws literature at you, mm. you know. You've got rhyme in this poem. I get uh, rhyme all over the place. You have know, you people, noticed? I have noticed, and I want to. I want everybody else to notice it too. You know, these people who just see your abstract breaks and things like um, Morgan had a whore in her lap. You big fisherman, I love my friends. You know, going in three different directions at once. At least they seem to be three different directions. You know, but there are times when it settles into rhymes. Tippy and tippy, tippy, tippy. Mm -hmm. You know, once again, we get back into that sonic uh, mm -hmm. place of, of song. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. there. So help me. Yeah. Oh, help me. <laughs> <laughs> help us. Help us. No, I think, I think the thing that's weird is to be a poet and to have a career and to survive and keep making work for years. I think you helplessly get branded as something or other. And then that becomes the way you get read. And all the other things that you do just kind of are jogging around in there. And, and you know, it's sort of, you know, I, mean, I think we all have this problem. It's sort of maddening, you know, I'm, like, I'm the punk poet. Yeah. And it was like, I don't, you know, and that's just a way of saying all these things about me that are biographical that don't have much to do with the work at all, except that I might say something suddenly um, sexual or, you know, whatever. I might change register and go into one that's regarded as earthy or dirty or right. suddenly. I do, I do it suddenly, and that's what's, that's what's disturbing. Well, you know, that's why, that's why we have line breaks, so you can do something suddenly. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's what, but you do. You have all the tools of a poet at your at your disposal and you use them all mm -hmm. it's just that nobody sees them reads them knows them or they're too busy seeing eileen miles all over them to to get tippy 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 mm -hmm. you know, or you know a poet never repeats a word in the poem right you teach this at uh -huh. you know and and all of a sudden hair is here three times in three or four lines, uh -huh. you know, it's, it's, it, it's, uh, what, what is that section there? How does that go? long gray hair, long gray hair. And then it's, uh, um, well, this three isn't, oh yeah. A creature with hair, long hair, long gray hair, uh -huh. but it's not, you know, it's, you know, you're not allowed to do that. But Gertrude Stein taught us to do that, you know, and we can take that and then not be her. You know, it's just like repetition means there's there's more there there. And then it feels like it's metonymic. It feels like a real place. It's just like you it, you put a little dirt on the page. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, allows the spoken, the real spoken, the uh -huh. real hearing. Again, the real spoken cause you to really hear. 
Uh-huh. You know, as people think they get perked up because it's brand new, you know, but in fact, you perk up when it's familiar and then you, then you can have a chance for the surprise, you know, but you got to you got to have the familiar in there. Be- so. Because the familiar constructs agreement. And once we agree, we can go anywhere. That's 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 what a poem is all about. Just to agree with these that these are the words on the page, uh-huh. you know, and it's a gift. It's a gift economy. Uh-huh. You know, the poet we we don't you know certainly not going to make the money. Although you say, in, oh, was that this one or the last one, where you say that you're working, you're figuring out the money. Maybe that was the last poem. Mm. But uh, um, anyway, it's it was on my po- whiteboard. There it, it must is. Have been on my Your whiteboard. <laughs> this is we're giving it. You give it away if it's a poem. You're lucky. You certainly aren't going to have anybody putting it up over the sofa and looking at it. Um, so the rhyme, one of the rhymes here is child with wild, wild, wild. Yeah. yeah. Again, more repetition in there. And that's so fun because that's so rock and roll. I see wild, 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 you know, it's really fun to say and to do. Keep letting the day be massive, unlicensed, continues that rock and roll. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. um, I I don't know what the rhyme is between massive and unlicensed. But it is, and somehow mm-hmm. completely un... The S's, I think. There, there it is. The S's do it. The and sibilance. Then the, and then the child comes back. The child has to come back. Oh, please have my child. <laughs> uh, and I, you did it in the reading in a way that I'd never heard before. This, I have been controlling. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little controlling. Uh-huh. You know, you really dropped into a different character at that point to do it. This is a very hard poem to read because the rhythm changes so many times. And I think that might be the best I ever read it because I've always felt like it's just so hard to have um, too much physical energy. And so you kind of, you kind of, you know, slalom over the changes mm-hmm. and I don't want to do that. I want to nail each one, you know, and for some reason sitting here with you bob i was able to be in it which is great this is great because we're it moves to next um uh you know this is where morgan had a whore in her lap you big fisherman i love my friends (laughs) you know and that love your friends is going to come back later with uh when this creature which could have been a dog suddenly turns into everyone loses their friends Mm -hmm. you know like does a you know, it is a is the context of the poem creates something that does is deserved, or is the language of the poem something that is there to mess up the uh, the context and and break it open into a new meaning? Am I making any sense at all? Absolutely, no. I'm no. listening. I'm following you. You know. Yeah. Well, then that's a question. What do you think? I mean, both, both, <laughs> both. It's got to be. You're just, I think the poem is changing the locks. That's what you're doing all the time. You're establishing a new order and then you're, you're breaking it before you go. I so. couldn't tell anyone about this site and you've just told everyone about uh-huh. this site. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, it's true. You're speaking to everyone as opposed to anyone, you know. Each defeat is sweet. 
So fun to say. So fun. It's yeah. a Shakespearean sonnet. It's kind of Shakespearean, yeah. right? I know. Thank you. you I, know. Yeah. No, this is a very formal feeling poem. I mean, I've written a few, but yeah. Okay, folks. It's called Each Defeat, and you can find it uh, in your local poetry store. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> it's actually, it's in a book called Sorry Tree. And the Sorry Tree really predated your 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 hands-on work with uh, with trees yeah. at the East River yeah. Park. Well, it was like when I owned a house for the first time in San Diego, and one day I tried to I mowed I bought a lawnmower, a manual one, and one day I mowed the lawn, and it was just so hard. It was so much hard work. I never wanted to do it again. And I remember at some point I went backwards. And then I bumped into this little tree and I remember, and I thought, oh, sorry, tree. And I, <laughs> I saw a cartoon, you know what I mean? Like I was a cartoon. <laughs> and it didn't do anything except title the book. Oh, But it was such a kind of, funny, and, yeah. it was the moment, it was that moment in my life. It, it held, sorry, tree really held that passage of time. Uh-huh. I just can't stop thinking about the way the city came in and cut down the cherry trees while they were in blossom. Oh, people were out on the street crying, neighbors, people who had lived there for for decades. And it was just like they followed those trees every spring, the cherries. And and all over the news was a cherry blossom, cherry trees are blossoming all over New York. And in New York, you noticed how, the very nature of the media is to cover crimes because all the, I mean, like the New York City Park Department was madly tweeting about how the cherry blossoms were in bloom. I was like, wow, you're cutting ours, you know? And people really, there were just tears. It was just, it was the worst thing I've ever seen. And, and it wasn't just that, it was like really the sound of all those trees. I mean, I, I, I ran, you know, we talked about it. Like I was last fall, I was, suffering because I wanted to be there and fight the good fight. And then I just wanted to get the hell out of here. And I just wanted, mm, yeah. I wanted to go to Texas and write yeah. related and unrelated to the stress of this park and the danger and all that. And there was this one mo- and, and you said, um, wait, what did you say? Wait until the end of November or wait till the, December. there was, you, you kind of after the holidays, after Thanksgiving yeah. or something, you kind of proposed some deadline and it was very arbitrary. I was like, Bob's right. I'll do that. <laughs> and then, so that's what I was doing kind of. And then there was a moment, there was a reprieve. There was a moment where we got a restraining order. Right. And it was like, Oh my God, we got it. We got it. We, Cause all we need is six months and we can win. We can, you know, and it was just like, and they just, they drove right through it yeah they did not obey the restraining or that the city itself had placed on no the the state the the supreme court the new york state supreme court and even the very judge that that did it was then we went to him with the contempt and he was like well i guess it was really academic and he he i mean they had gotten to him it was Uh, clearly the one judge with some courage you know but um and so i guess I guess so. So it, so so then I was I was all ready to leave because we were safe, and I packed the car, and then we were unsafe, and I was like, ah, ah. Uh, you know, it was like the horrible, you know, and um, and then when the press finally covered 
this with you know with your actions and and you know the, uh, you know the hundreds of people who, who were who were spending their time out there amazing organizing again you know from you and others um, it appeared in the New York Times in the styles section that a poet is speaking out for trees as if there was some kind of uh, um, Joyce Kilmer. Uh, I know. Uh, I know. Uh, uh, it was just so upsetting that again, the, you know, while I think there's a lot of irony in your pathetic stance for poetry, mm-hmm. um, it's also so true that nobody gives it the time of day. You know, in 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 so many ways. Same reason why Eileen Miles is read as Eileen Miles, and not this poem in front of you. Same way, the poetry slam is discussed as a, a phenomenon that takes on poetry and athletics, rather than who are the poets and what are the poems meaning mm-hmm. in this. You know, but uh, reading about the about the, uh, the about the demonstrations and actions in the style section was just. What's the right word? Yeah, but but and 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 just too little, too late. It was just yeah. like so ill placed. And but but you know, I mean, the reason I I say all this is because, like, I couldn't bear, I or I just I couldn't bear to to watch the cutting begin in December when they began it. Yeah. And so when I came back, that was the only time I literally saw it. And and what I saw besides the cherry trees being cut was like these big, it was a hundred and twenty year old London plane tree and watched and it's the sound of it was a percussive event that you have never heard before in your life. You know, it was like I've heard that like this the sounds that sailors hear on ships that mostly crashed and you know those mm. you know like it's a few sailors who survived to say the sounds they heard of a storm at sea is something that nobody's ever heard these are song these are sounds that just are not unbelievable and the sounds of trees you know a giant tree first they lop this off on that big branch and then this bigger piece of the tree falls and all these different clocks and clunks and it's just like it was so like your own body if it if it had this if if they had this partner on earth you know it mm. was the sound of that that it, w- it was one of the worst sounds i'd ever heard before and it was a music it was a dark music it's bad bad you know and there was such kind of weird cheeriness among the men who were doing it too they really loved it you know they had they had said to my friends happy earth day girls you know mm. well, it's a death of macho I mean, you know, Macho Macho is dead, so any any opportunity to like Yeah. Celebrate. Yeah, yeah. Have we got another poem here someplace? I think we've got it. Hey, wait wait a second. What tree am I waiting? Could that be or but or the more upbeat put my house. What tree am I waiting? Okay, put my house, yeah. Put my house. Yeah. Oh, it's such a lovely poem. Oh God, this is an epic. Yeah. And and very this is a very pandemic poem. This was very much about um having a partner someplace else and trying his here's, here's a proposal, you know, like a you know, 
quite having a long distance relationship during the pandemic. Yeah, why don't you just try this? Right. I got an idea. <laughs> Put my house inside the boat. Can we do that? Put my dog inside of your dog. Put these birds inside of yours. Put my ocean. Put your ocean all over my mountains. Put my mountains in there. Put my dog in yours. My dog walk is safe inside your dog walk. Let me eat inside you. Let me eat your food. Let me eat your house. Put your house inside my dog. Put your dog on my boat. Naturalize. Put my heart in yours. Put my mouth on your mouth. Put my hair in yours. Put, let me breathe inside you. Let me smell your guts. Put your boat in my eye. Let me eat your friends. Put these hours inside your hours. Eat this bird. Cheap. Eat my dog's foot. Eat that ocean. Run to him or the ocean. Run to them. Hear these birds cheap. Fly to me. Eat my foot. Put my house inside yours. In your mind, think me fly. This fly me home. Love me now. Forget your phone. Eat my heart. Run to him or the ocean. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Dog growl. Cluck, click. Put my house right in there. Yeah, that's me looking out the window. Look at me. Bark, bark, bark. Put your heart inside that bark. Oh. Well, did it work? No. Oh, no. Oh, she, I think oh, she didn't shoot. even quite get the poem. She was she, I, uh, maybe perhaps the only person I know that didn't like that poem. Oh. I was like, I don't know about that poem. I was like, yeah. Yeah, I guess yeah. she, I guess she. Uh, we were they, done. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was done. The so, communication was not succeeding. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I love the way you change it up when you put, put my ocean, you're right. And it's the only place in the whole poem where you get one line, you know. Oh, that's not true. Look at that. There's also, let me smell your guts, which we can also talk about, you know. But because guts really does change it up. Oh, my gosh. Where's that vocabulary come from? Uh -huh. It ain't no house. It ain't no boat. Ain't no dog. and ain't no walk. Ain't no hair when you get the guts. Put my ocean, you say, and then you put put your ocean mm -hmm. all over my mountains. You know, you're even, I mean, you're just giving it away. Mm -hmm. Even even your ocean, you're going to take on her ocean. Mm -hmm. What about this OO ocean stuff or the OO ocean? Where's that? Bobby V. Bobby V. Oh. Are you, I mean, I'm a huge Bobby V fan. Really? And, um, and I just, I think, again, you know, during the pandemic, I was listening to all all sorts of music and i realized there was a there was a cd set of like all of like a, a label rarities or something and they had all of bobby v and i was reading about him and thinking about who he was and i mean i was very into him as a you know like i guess it was probably junior high and he was cute he was very cute and he was from fargo north dakota and i even wrote him a fan letter and sent him a little piece of parchment paper and you sign this and like to Eileen from Bobby V, but Bob Dylan is not only is a huge fan of Bobby V and played with him. Uh, what? Uh, in Minnesota, they were like, yeah, yeah, and and I think he really. I mean, he's a real, he's a really kind of country-ish pop singer, mm -hmm. and um, and a really a real good singer and interesting musician and songwriter and all that. 
I mean, his, his hits are, you know, take good care of my baby, you know, run to him. If you think these lips can kiss you better than my lips can kiss you, run to him run or the to- ocean. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just like that just bled in, which I wasn't sure if it worked, but now I feel it feels totally. Oh, part of the absolutely. Mm-hmm. works in there. And again, it's that it's that it's the anti miles of, uh, of song and romance that that slaves in there. Put your heart inside that bark. That's me looking out the window. <laughs> Go, Eileen. Well, that's the. Uh, this is the one that reminded me of that one that I didn't know which one reminded me of that one. That one about flying and cool, right? Oh, cool yeah. Cool and bright because you're so much flying inside this one. You know, put that flying in there. Right, right. Do you want to? Yeah. Let's, Could I hear yeah. cool and bright? Can't find it. Do you have here, it? I just happen to have it right on top. Excellent. Here. Amazing. Um, cool and bright. I stand up as I do in my poet's shack and piss. The toilet's black. An orange moth does its last couple of flaps. Flap, flap. Piss to death. It could be no worse. You flew. <laughs> Who knew? Huh. Um, this sounds like Marfa. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I do have a black toilet in my little shack. And standing while you're pissing, you're mm. really a revolutionary, Miles. Rhino, I know, and and I think that um, they ran that in the local paper, and I think that people were very upset. Nobody told me, but I just got like weird vibes, like. What was that? Oh, you know, I was like, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, that no problem with that moth, you know. Uh, It was about the moth. Yeah, it flew. Uh You know, doesn't matter what you do. And also it was the masculine gaze. It was something I probably (sighs) wouldn't have seen any other way, right? Nice. Yeah, yeah. Good. That 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 nails it. That's definitely that flip flop was mm. you know will turn Marfa on its ear. <laughs> Love turning New York City on its ear. Hard, hard to, to do. Very, very hard to do. Yeah. Mm. Have you got that other one over there? What the little guy, or which? Ah, the little guy. Uh, which which, which that? Uh, what tree am I waiting? Oh, I think should we go there? I think it's yeah. the only. I think it might be the only one we got left. Well, there's the mask too. Oh, yeah. mask. Okay, your call. Where you want to go? Want to let's see which. Mask is such a great. It's it. You know, you've done a lot of of uh, COVID here. The COVID know. was so good for me for poetry. I mean, I just. Wrote so much. I have. I wrote more than I'd written since my twenties. I think. Just like. What do you think it was? Just the fact that you had to be inside, or was it? Yeah, I was. I was alone a lot, but in a good way. And I, um, I just had time, just untrammeled time. It was just that thing that you want as a an adult and hard to find, you know. And I was just in it and 
like, you know, my whole relationship to Marfa had been like coming and going. And so I never saw the seasons actually change. And it was just amazing seeing things grow and the birds suddenly coming out in spring. And it was just mm. beautiful. Mm. Great. And lonely, you know. I mean, that's, I mean, I had some people there and we would go for walks. Yeah. But it was me and honey in the house. Sweet honey. Yeah. Yeah. Honey doesn't fly. No, she's never flown. And I don't think, I mean, I've only heard bad, ta- I mean, I've heard bad tales about dogs in general flying, but also bad tales about pit bulls because the, they're very, you know, the, I think the shaking of the plane makes, has made some pit bulls very anxious and they break their teeth on the crate. Ooh. You know, they just mm-hmm. can't handle it. And they're like trying to get out and they're scared. And I just wouldn't put her through that. Mm. But honey must have been sweet company during that COVID time. Yeah, no, no, she liked it. She liked it yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, happy. What, what to do here, Bob? Um, okay, let's stuff. yeah, let's do the tree. You know, yeah. I actually think we, I to, honestly, why don't I read the both, the two? Because, yeah, just read them both. Yeah, one's. So here is here is what tree am I waiting? The whole that whole part of the world where I won't go anymore. See, now this actually okay. Now I realize this poem is hard for me to read at this time in my life. I don't know why. It, it go, it's like go to a, a really dark, deep place, and I'm not sure I can go there. Well, let's it's not, your decision. You don't have to. No, let's you not. know because I, what was so great was once again. That whole part of the world where I won't go anymore. I mean, the way you read that to me, I thought you were just telling me that, that you were describing what the poem was going to be. You're telling me a little anecdote, there, mm-hmm. like which you do. You love to do that, you know, to just fool us, you know, that, right. that everything could be the poem. Right, right. Including right. this introduction to the poem, which isn't an introduction to the poem, it's simply the poem, mm-hmm. you know. But if you're truthful to yourself and it's that part of the world where you won't go anymore, then I'd suggest that you not. Yeah, no, no. Because it was like I could say that whole part of the world, I could say that, but where I won't go anymore, suddenly I was like, ooh. You know, so I, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's, like, this little okay. guy here. Bye-bye. Let's, let's get on to the mask. Okay. I kept the mask on because I thought I looked good. <laughs> this restaurant really needs a candle. And like it heard me, a plane passed overhead. Well, this brings me right back to that to, to the to the uh, revelation at the end of the of of no poem at the Duncan Look, Hannah throwing the you head. Know, oh, 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 and there's throwing oh. your head back yeah, too, yeah. as opposed to where are you going? I throw my head back. But, but the you, Duncan, what's what's the Duncan? Well, there? Duncan it says one thing. It's very you know here that resonates with you because you were thinking the same thing, except it was totally different. Right. You know, you were thinking the same thing, except you were thinking on a cosmic level, you know, uh-huh. not we're going to come see Jimmy again. Mm-hmm. And here, this restaurant really needs a candle. And like it heard me, a plane passed overhead, <laughs> you know, like a candle. <laughs> oh, so it had a little red, had a little red oh, light on the plane. Oh, I get it. Oh, I thought you were just standing there and uh, sitting there e- eating away and you heard a plane go over. No, I thought the the plane was like a candle. It I just did, like I was like, like, here's a candle. candle. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, really, either way, however it, it works. How, well, it never. It doesn't. That's the whole point. 
That's really funny. <laughs> is that great simile where the two halves, you know, like Einstein always says, yeah. you know, E equals MC squared, you know. But when you use the like in the simile, you don't, it, it never, it never, it's, you know, it's because the universe is expanding and it's the poet's job to push it out there further or something like that. Mm -hmm. The Big Bang is wrong. Have you heard that? No. They've discussed, yeah. Was they it were a little like, bang? It was like, the, the fly is not staying closed. This is a problem today. Um, apparently, it's older. The Big Bang Maybe that happened. That's how this part of the universe, but uh, it's way bigger and wider than that. So the, the, the boundaries, they have not found the boundaries. They can't, they, they're not right. It's not, it's yeah, not. And well, it might change everything and people don't know what to do with it. Well, I think it's about time. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, it, it's all in Webb's telescope. I mean, those are such incredible photographs. The ones of... Isn't Webb's? Webs. Webs. WBB. Is that w -E -B -B. a particular it's telescope? It's the one that they just launched a month ago or two months ago. Right. And, and they're, they're sending back the photos. And people are dying. And I haven't, I haven't seen them. You haven't people, seen them? Well, don't. Don't look at them because it'll change your whole way of looking at everything. You know, they really are spectacular and it really is different. Those black holes, they're just a part of it. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's going to eat everything. You know? huh. So I think huh. you're right. I think you're right. It's just one particular part of the multiverse. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is that we're here. We know that. Well, let's Maybe. keep telling ourselves Maybe. that. Exactly. Right. Um, it's been a joy to do this here tonight. Mm -hmm. I'm Bob Holman, and thank you for listening to Poetry is Bread. Subscribe to our podcast to get notifications of new episodes or check us out at BoweryPoetry.com. The podcast is co-produced by Ram Devanini and Flavia Roja with Rataplax. The podcast series is funded by the Citizen Diplomacy Action Fund, which is sponsored by the U.S. Department of State with fundings provided by the U.S. government and implemented by Global Ties U.S., in partnership with the Office of Alumni Affairs and the Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs. Additional support from New York State Council on the Arts, Governor of New York State, Kathy Hochul, and the New York State Legislature. See ya.